Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Uh, and so those of you who aren't aware, we are actually in week two of a series called Awesome God. And it is all about um, examining the awesomeness of God that is shown through just different people's encounters throughout the Bible, encounters with God. Um, different men and women had, uh, you know, an experience with God where God showed a certain attribute about himself um, that demonstrates the different names that we see of God in the Bible. Uh, and so this week, the name of God that we are studying uh, is Jehovah Shalom which means the Lord is peace. Or as we put up there, we personalize it, we say, my peace. Um, and so the meaning of peace is wholeness, to be complete, uh, order, harmony, well-being. And well-being irrespective of the circumstances. And so we all need peace, right? I know that... Uh, all of us probably in this room have experienced a time in their life where they encountered stress. Put your hand up if you have ever experienced stress in your life. Yeah, pretty much everyone. Ever in your life, probably this week, put your hand up if you have experienced stress of some kind. Yep, a lot of us. Stress is kind of a regular occurrence in our lives. I know some of you who are parents sending your kids back to school um, we're, we're long-time homeschoolers, so we're sending our kids to school for the first time and seeing how much um, uniforms cost. Oh, when I saw the price tag, I was like, oh, oh, stress, you know. Did you know that their socks are made of black gold, that they're like so expensive just for socks? And, you know, you can feel just any, any, on any given day, you know, you can feel that there is always stress coming from different, um, different directions, trying to get at our peace. And so we need peace. And so the story or the, the person that we are talking about today and their encounter with God where they experienced God's peace is the first time that this name Jehovah Shalom is mentioned in the Bible, and that is Judges 6. And we are looking at the story of Gideon. Um, I'm going to read the first few verses to us. So Judges 6, verses 1 to 5. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the power, into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels, and they invaded the land to ravage it. And so just a bit of background here um, of the history. You know, we've talked about these cycles that Israel went through a lot. 
Um, you know, Israel, last week we talked about how Moses was sent to deliver the Israelites out of slavery into the promised land. And so now they're living in the promised land, you know. And so, you know, of course, human nature, when things are going well, things are going great, and you can get tempted because you're relaxed, you can get tempted to follow the other cool things that other people are doing. And so that's what was happening all the time with the Israelites. They would see the other nations worshipping their idols, and then they would turn their hearts away from God and follow those sinful ways. And then what would happen after that would be, because, because God had told them so many times, don't worship other gods, or else your enemies will be able to overtake you. So they turned from God, decided to walk in their sinful ways, and then, of course, the inevitable happened. Their enemies took them into slavery. And things became pretty horrible, so they would cry out to God. And, of course, God is so faithful, he heard their prayers, and he would come and he would save them. And so they went through this cycle, sin, slavery, crying out to God, God coming and saving them. They went through that cycle seven times. And so in this part of the story where it picks up, this is what they're going through. They're living in the promised land, but once again, they had rebelled against God, and now they were living in sin, uh, in slavery. And so an, an important thing I thought for us to notice here is that they were living in the promised land, but they were in slavery. And, you know, it's important for us to remember that you can be in the promised land, but you can be out of the will of God. You know, you can be in the place where you're supposed to be, but you can be functioning out of God's will so that you're losing where you should be winning. And so for seven years, they were being held hostage, living in defeat, no victory. They were actually hiding in caves. They didn't have homes. They were hiding in the mountains, and any time they had a scrap of food, they, it was time to harvest the little crops that they were able to plant. The Amalekites and the Midianites would come, swarm in, so many to count, and they'd just take, take the cattle. So they were actually in starvation. Imagine working and working just to try and stay alive, but there just seems to be no hope. And so they were desperate. And of course, according to the cycle, sin, then slavery, then supplication, they cried out to God. And so let's continue, continue reading our passage in Judges 6. Verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 13, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that, his that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Wow, he seems upset, right? A tad bit angry, maybe? Have you ever tried, you know, I mean, the angel, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He was saying something very 
positive and promising, full of hope. But then Gideon was like, but how come this is happening if God is with me? How come this is happening? How come God has abandoned us? You say he's with me, I say he's abandoned us. You know, it's kind of like, have you ever tried to um, compliment someone and they end up just disagreeing with you because they don't know how to receive it? Like, you look nice today. And then, oh, this thing is so old. and so, Oh, it makes me look fat. I'm having such a bad hair day. Have you ever met people like that? No one in here, of course, just people out there. You know, Gideon seems pretty stressed. And he thinks that God has abandoned him. And he's pretty straight up about it, and he asks some pretty confronting questions. If God is with us, then how come this and that? And they were. They were living in a horrible situation. You know, their land and their livelihood, everything had been taken from them. And everything was in chaos. There was no peace anywhere to be seen. You know, and this is all because the Israelites had turned their back on God and stepped out of his protection. He had told them countless times, as I mentioned before, that if you, if you obey, if you do this, then your life will be blessed. Everything you do will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. But if you disobey, if you step out, if you turn your back on me and worship other gods, then this is what's going to happen. You'll be in slavery. You'll be in, you'll be in misery. And you know, all of these laws... At first glance, it can seem like, wow, God, a bit of a power trip, you know? Wow, only if we obey you, then we'll be blessed. It's not actually God trying to have a power trip, trying to make himself feel secure and feel loved, you know, because the news flashes, God doesn't. That are there for our benefit, and it's best if we understand them and live by them. about natural laws as well you know you heard of the law of gravity you know I don't know the technical scientific definition for it but I know that if I walk off the side of the stage and I'm a good person I love God but if I walk off the edge of the stage what's going to happen there's going to be a loud noise and I'm going to be in pain because the law of gravity and I can't turn around and say Lord you've abandoned me I've got this big bump on my head and I have my modeling photo shoot tomorrow those laws are important for me to understand so that I can walk in them operate and operate in them and live the most blessed life and it's the same with these laws and so when the Israelites decided to turn their backs on God and step out and trying to uh, work against these laws of how the, how the world works, this is what had happened. There was no peace for them. Isaiah 57, 20 to 21, it says, But the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Sin leads to death destruction, chaos, turmoil. And that verse that I just read says, there is no peace for the wicked. And so if we're walking in sin, if we're living in sin, 
We shouldn't expect to have peace. Don't bother looking for it because we don't get it. We don't get to have peace if we aren't willing to address the sin in our lives. And ask the Lord some pretty hard questions. How come this? How come God, is, God has abandoned us, the sad guy? But you know what? God is not afraid of our difficult questions, and he was ready with some pretty straight-up answers as well. Let's continue reading. Judges 6, 14, it says, The Lord turned to him, Gideon, and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Wilses. He's like, all these enemies, too many to count. And then the angel of the Lord says, okay, you go and you save the Israelites from the Midianites. And so what does Gideon say in the next verse, verse 15? Um, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Always ready with excuses, right? Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. In other words, Gideon said, God, why don't you save us? And then God said, you go. Ouch. Now, there's something important here for us to note, and it's something that I've seen so many times in my own personal life, and that when I go through struggles and kind of really hard times, disastrous situations, and I cry out to God, you know, sometimes I expect him to just snap his fingers and that, that, that problem will just disappear. You know, um, magically I'll have a six-pack. Please, Lord, I love you. I've done all these great things for you. Can't you just fix my problem straight away? You know, I've noticed that in those times where I've cried out to God in my distress, He doesn't usually snap his fingers and make my problem disappear. Usually what he does is he takes me by the hand and walks me through the problem. And as we're walking through the situation, the season, um, the confusion, I often will see things about him that I didn't know about him before. He'll be showing his awesomeness to me in ways that I would never have been able to see if there wasn't this problem in the way. And so it seems like that's what God was doing with Gideon too. He was telling Gideon, go, I'll be with you. And of course Gideon says, I can't do it, I'm nobody. I've got no skills. But of course, the essential ingredient that God was giving him the essential ingredient that was going to get him through victoriously. God said, I will be with you. God promised that Gideon would win the battle. Little old Gideon, the youngest in his family, and his family wasn't even the coolest family. They were kind of like the lower ranked um, in the Israelites. But God said, go, I'll be with you, and you'll win. Verse 16, it says, The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And let's skip down to verse 23. It says, But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Verse 24, So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there 
and called it The Lord is Peace. And so right there and then, he built an altar and he called it Jehovah Shalom, The Lord is Peace. And so, you know, that's a bit crazy, right? Because in the beginning, he was like, oh, where, where? You know, Israel is desperate. You know, we're being treated like this. We're starving. We're hiding in the mountains. We're supposed to be in the promised land. This is pretty stink promised land. You know, these Midianites and Malachites, they're making our lives a living hell. He was like whining and complaining and everything. But just a few short verses later, he's building an altar and worshiping God saying, Jehovah Shalom, God is my peace. And so what happened during those few short verses to transform Gideon's state of mind? Where did this peace suddenly come from? Had God magically zapped away those Amalekites and Midianites? You know, I imagine in my mind all the action movies that I like, you know, God doing this huge clothesline and running through and, you know, knocking everyone over and they're all blown to smithereens, I don't know, a few bombs here and there, grenades. Did God do that? And is that why now he had peace? No, God hadn't done that. The enemies were still there. They were still hurting them, still stealing everything, still torturing them and starving them. In fact, now Gideon had just been told that he was the one who was going to go and fight against them. So that's like stress and then more stress. So where did Gideon's peace come from and what had changed? This is what had changed. Gideon had gotten a revelation. God was with him. He, he named the place Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Everyone say, the Lord is peace. When you know who is with you, everything changes. Your whole mindset changes. You know, I think about my kids. My kids, they have their own money. You know, um, Maya, he's got a job, so he has his card, and he goes and buys his things. And, thing. and I notice when we go to the mall, and we're just there to pick something up, and um, say my kids will say, Mom, we're hungry. I'll say, well, go and buy something. I'm just here to come and pick this up. We just ate. Go and buy something with your own money. And then, you know, there's a big difference of when the kids go to the food court and choose what they eat when they're paying from when they go to the food court with their dad. And he's a lot more generous than I am. And often they'll, he'll go, oh, just go buy your food. And they'll have the card and, you know, they'll, oh, have a drink from there. I, yeah, I'll have fries from there. Oh, they've got the best chicken. Yeah, I'll have one chicken from there, one chicken from there. You know, who is with you changes everything about your mindset. When you know who is with you, you know, the confidence that you have, what you know you're entitled to is, is totally affected by who you know is with you. The Lord is our peace. He is our peace. Not our job, not our wife, not our husband, not your money, not your house, not your looks, not your family. The Lord is peace. So how do I get peace? The same way Gideon got it. He got peace when he knew that the Lord was with him. He hadn't fought the Midianites yet. 
He hadn't gotten victory yet. His problem wasn't solved yet. They were still there. But he built an altar and praised God for peace. So now for us today, since the key to peace is knowing that he's there, how do we get to know that he's there? Romans 8, 5 to 7, it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. We need to set our mind on being led by the Spirit not being led by our desires because our peace is tied directly to God's presence. But you know, we have to be intentional about setting our mind to being led by the Spirit, to being led by God, which is life and peace. It's like setting a clock. You know, if you want to get up early, you have to set your alarm. You have to intentionally set it. Why? Because if you don't, you'll probably keep on sleeping. That's the natural way that things are. You know, growing up, my mum always woke up at 4 a.m., like every morning. She woke up at 4 a.m., and I've never seen her set an alarm because she's been doing this since she was young. Why could she wake up every day at 4 a.m.? She would always wake up to read her Bible, to study her word and pray, pray for her children because we needed it. She was always up. She had built that habit in rock solid day after day after day until it became automatic and she didn't need to set her alarm for 4 a.m. But if we are trying to change our mindset, we have to set it intentionally, remind ourselves until we get used to operating that way. I remember one time it was like my mum's birthday and um, my dad was overseas and so I thought, oh, I better, make her, um, I better make her breakfast in bed. But because she was crazy and woke up at 4 a.m. every morning, I um, thought, oh, I have to wake up at like 2 a.m. And so I set my alarm, woke up at 2 a.m. And because she was a very, very light sleeper, I went in the dark I opened the cupboards and I was trying to get the frying pan out to um, make some eggs or I don't know what I was planning to make. I was only like 11 at the time. And I was trying to pull out the frying pan without making any noise and there she goes, who is that? She thought someone was breaking into the house and praise the Lord that I was, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me, before she um, hurt me permanently. But, you know, when you change your mindset, it feels weird. You know, it's kind of like when daylight savings comes and, um, you know, for, for a while it feels weird. It's like, oh, my gosh, it's light still, and yet it's 8.30. You know, it takes a while to adjust. But then we get used to it and we begin to operate automatically that way every day. We set our minds on Christ. Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, You, God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. 
Other version says, you will keep in perfect peace those who trust you and those whose minds are stayed on you. God's presence in our lives makes all the difference. You know, I used to, uh, growing up, play in orchestras. And, you know, when an orchestra plays, there's that bit in the beginning where everyone's tuning and warming up. I don't know, have, do you guys know what I'm talking about? That, that ugly noise, you know, everyone's doing that, playing scales and trying to tune their instruments. And my favorite, my favorite place to play was always in stage productions. So that's when there's a musical going on on the stage or a ballet or a show. And we were sitting down in the pit um, getting ready to play. And, you know, sometimes I would play and I'll be like, oh, man, I couldn't really. I wasn't happy with how my violin was sounding. And, but I remembered that the conductor would always come out. And as soon as the conductor walks out, everyone has to stand. All the orchestra players have to stand. And he walks out, and he's so confident. And then he tells us to sit down, and then he'll raise his hands. And all of that chaos and discordant noise that was going on is brought into order. He tells us what we're playing. He tells us when to start. He tells us when to go loud. He tells us when to go soft. Everyone, there's probably at least 80 people in the orchestra. Everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone is on the same page. There's harmony, there's peace. It brings a blessing, all because of the presence of this guy, this conductor, this maestro who has come and brought everything together. He knows the whole plan. He knows the whole score. He knows what every instrument is supposed to be doing. He knows what every dancer is supposed to be doing. Everyone follows him. It's all connected and everything makes sense. There's harmonies, there's melodies, there's dynamics. We can't just make music on our own. We need the presence of the conductor. We need the presence of the maestro, the master, the one who knows all and sees all and makes it all come together for the good of those who love him. And so before we go, before we finish, I want us all if you can, if you've got your phones or if you've got a pen and paper, I want you to write down two things that cause anxiety or stress in your life. You know, some, maybe something that worries you, maybe something that's on your mind. Um, think of two things. If you're sitting there and you think, I can't think of anything, just ask someone next to you. Surely they've got heaps of ideas. <laughs> because remember, you all put your hands up. You all know what stress is like. So think of two things and write them down or note them down in, uh, on your phone. Okay. I'm going to read you the scripture. Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this is God telling us, all of our worries, all of our cares, all of our anxieties, all of our struggles, all of the things that are on our mind, things that are confusing us, worrying us, 
It says here, present everything to God. Cast your burdens on Jesus. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I love that part. God's peace transcends understanding. What does that mean? God's peace doesn't make sense. Just like Gideon being so full of peace when he had thousands and thousands of enemies that were trying to kill him, but he had peace. God's peace doesn't make sense. But when we cast our cares on him, his peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So every morning when you wake up, I want you to think of those two things and I want you to pray. Lord, I give this burden to you. Okay? I want you to tell God, I trust you to take care of me and lead me through this impossible situation. I give my anxieties to you. Don't take them back throughout the day. Give them to God. I give my anxieties to you in exchange for your peace. Give God your problems and he will give you his peace. Supernatural peace. Trust him. Fix your thoughts on him. And you'll get to experience firsthand the awesomeness of God at work on your behalf. Let's pray.